1: Good evening, Charlotte here. You're listening to the Nick Luck Daily podcast and Tom Stanley will be back filling in for Nick tomorrow morning to bring you the latest news and interviews from around the world of horse racing. But in this special episode, Gina Bryce is going to bring you episode 12 of the Bloodstock Bulletin in partnership with Tassels as part of the lead up to their book one yearling sale. Hello and welcome along to the Bloodstock Bulletin with me, Gina Bryce, and Tattersalls as we inch ever closer to Europe's premier source of top class racehorses. It is, of course, book one of the Tattersalls October Yearling Sale. Well, in this episode, we will, as always, be navigating through our regular themes to bring you as much insight as possible ahead of the sale. Now, we'll start with a potential box office lot, this time from Chieveley Park Studs Draft, and we'll also seize the opportunity to find out a little bit more from Chris Richardson and about their exciting young stallion, Ulysses. And as far as stallions in focus go, we shine the spotlight on Memas after another very good season at stud. And we'll bring you news on another book one bonus winner, Royal Patronage, ahead of his intended target in the Royal Lodge this weekend. But with the Keenan September yearling sales coming to its conclusion at the end of this week, we pick up where we left off last week with the focus on America. And we'll catch up with agent Ben McElroy as he looks forward to trying to unearth another campaign for clients Wesley Ward and Stone Street Stables at this year's sale. Easier said than done, not least because of the competition he will no doubt face from a strong US buying bench. And it's a buying bench that has had a particularly interesting look to it over the last few weeks at Keeneland. So as we bring in Kelsey Riley from the TDN, um, Kelsey, I thought we'd start by expanding on that sale. Now we have a few more results to go on. Um, The market from where I'm sitting looks incredibly strong throughout. Just give us an idea of how robust it's been at Keeneland in the last few weeks.
2: Yeah, for sure, Gina. Thanks. Um, It's been an absolutely amazing sale over here. Uh, it's been incredible to watch it almost just get stronger and stronger as the sale goes on, which is not something you see all that often. I think, you know, with the first day of, of book one last week, um, started out like a lot of sales have in recent seasons, you know, with strong results, but a lot of the uh, the good results concentrated at the top end and um, maybe a higher number of buybacks, uh, a little uh, polarized or selective as as they might say those words that, have become uh, so familiar to us uh, covering sales, um, but the thing that's amazed me is that as the sale here in Keeneland has gone on, those those words about selectivity and polarization have totally disappeared. The market has just been so strong all the way through. Um, being out there, you know, over the weekend and this week, you're hearing tons of uh, tons of buyers saying they're they're having trouble getting horses bought, filling their orders. Uh, the market's just been strong all the way through um one thing that amazed me was that on sunday with five sessions still to go in this year's sale the aggregate uh, last year's aggregate was already surpassed um so that was that was an incredible accomplishment and um and uh, i was also reading that on sunday there were 319 horses um sold through the ring which was actually an all-time record I, i believe for a session at Kingland. Um, so that was,
1: was a great accomplishment. Um, but yeah, it's just been, it's been incredibly strong all the way through. And has there anything, has there been anything about the results that surprised people? We were obviously coming out of a, a COVID year and we were always expecting things to maybe improve slightly on that, but what have been the kind of main takeouts and, and potentially interesting pointers from, from that buying market?
2: Yeah, well, I think um, one of the main things I'm not sure how much of a surprise it is. It's something that's probably been growing for a few years, but um, has been the interest from uh, what they're calling cult syndicates, Uh, you know, groups of powerful buyers. They're actually starting to team together and target these, uh, target these top level cults, um, you know, by the, by the commercial sires with the good pedigrees uh, that, you know, they expect to go on and win uh, grade ones. On the racetrack, um, and then of course go on to lucrative stud careers. Um, so yeah, you've just been seeing these groups, um, of, like I said, uh, powerful individuals teaming together and then competing against each other for these top colts. Uh, and that's been a, a huge driver in the market. And, and, you know, they've been, they've been very active uh, at the top of the market and also in that, you know, middle top region. And then because, um, the demand for those types of horses is so good, I think, you know, that's what's causing um, you know, a lot of competition and people, you know, maybe not filling their orders and, and then, you know, the demand trickling down into the, uh, into the, the further books. So, um, you know, I think that the, the capital behind these groups uh, and the interest behind these groups is so strong. Um, yeah, and one thing that I feel like has barely even been talked about the last, uh, the last week or two has been the absence, actually, of the Moktum family at the sale, uh, they were not here last year, um, but you look back to 2019, and Godolphin and Shadwell um, combined in, in book one spent $27 million. Um, and so, you know, the fact that they're not here um, this year, but, but you know, of, of, of course they're missed, but th- those gaps seem to have been, been filled in the market. And, and I think that just
1: shows the strength of the, the market here in the U.S. Or well, having a look at that crossover of the market from the US to the UK is something we'll expand on a bit later in the episode uh, with agent Ben McElroy as well. But it is very neatly exemplified in the pedigree of this week's potential box office lot. Lot 247 is a cult by Ulysses out of Sacra Caroline, herself a half sister to multiple grade one US winner Lady Eli. He is consigned by breeders chiefly Park Stud, who also stand the stallion. And I caught up with Chris Richardson, who told us a little bit more about what we can expect expect
0: he's um he's a nice cult he's a sort of what you'd expect a, a ulysses to look like really you know potentially a sort of more a ten furlong type individual not necessarily an early um two year old but um, um obviously the the half sister sacred one that um, was you know was obviously group well multiply group one play or group placed last year um at, in the top two year old races and then won the nell Gwyn this year and, and um you know ran a very respectful race in the guineas but probably didn't quite get home and then you know proved her um her ability when uh, winning the hungerford stakes at newbury so um, he's a he's a very nice uh, individual um good strong rich bay in color um and um you know really rather pleased to um you know to have him you know as a, as a book one candidate
1: and it's a, a family that have been very active and hitting the headlines of late with the likes of Lady Eli in there. Is that something in, in the back of your minds that with that transatlantic interest and the U.S. buyers there, that that would really spring off the page?
0: Uh, yes, we bought um, the, the the mayor, um, Sacra Caroline herself, for 300,000 guineas at the Tattersall sales carrying Fakred, um, having seen how impressive Lady Eli was uh, in America as a half-sister um, and having been fortunate enough to to uh, beat her with Queen's Trust uh, in the Breeders' Cup filly and Mayor Turf. So uh, it's a family or a pedigree that we you know, we obviously knew well um, and um, I, I, she's a top-of-the-ground filly um, with a question now, well this is sacred it's the top-of-the-ground filly, now it's a question of where we go next. Um, the foray would be an, an obvious race for her. However, she loves top of the ground as do the family, so that may not be ideal. Um, I know Mrs. Thompson is considering uh, the, the Breeders' Cup as an option. Um, however, that has yet to be sort of finalised. Um, but uh, you know, she's come out of her race well. Um, we've got some decent ground at the moment, but there's, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see where you know what happens over the next sort of you know week to ten days.
1: Yeah, either way, really exciting for the family ahead, as it is for her line as well. Seems a good opportunity to mention Ulysses, who's really hit the ground running. Eight winners so far. Chris, has he, has he? I want to say exceeded expectations, but has he lived up to expectations? What's been your assessment of his performance so far?
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I think uh, you know he's a he's a beautifully balanced horse. Um, I I could totally see why everybody would be feeling that he would be, you know, his progeny would need, you know, plenty of time being by Galileo um, out of uh, an Oaks Winner light shift. Um, However, you know, know, he proved his ability um, over 10 furlongs very effectively. Uh, He only ran once as a two-year-old and on on his second start as a three-year-old at Newbury, he won by, uh, I think it was eight or nine lengths. So um, he certainly improved from 2 to 3 um and um you know when you look at him he's got that sort of sort of ten furlong type look about him and, and that's what he proved by winning the eclipse and the Juddmonte International um and obviously ran second in the King George um behind enable which was uh, n- no no disgrace at all so uh, uh yeah he's um, he's got 87 two year olds in training his moment he's got 35% winners to runners um, and we're excited about a number of them. Um, Guan So was third in the Flying Scotsman Stakes at Doncaster, um, so that was his first black-type performer. Um, and uh, Piz Badil, um, who won very impressively, uh, is entered this weekend in the Beres- Beresford Stakes for Group 2 at the car on Saturdays. So um, I think the, the general feeling is that they will improve. Um, we were impressed with our... Philly Peripatetic, who um, won nicely um, at Newmarket on her debut for Roger Varian last weekend, um, and um, we, we're, you know, I think they, they certainly look progressive, and that um, the reports from the trainers who have them um, is, is really very positive.
1: Yeah I was going to say the ones that that we've seen that's what struck me is the quality and the potential that they all look to display I know Mighty Ulysses looked impressive at Yarmouth last week they just keep on coming don't they and um, is that something you've seen translated from I know it's early days looking for covers for mares next season but is has the interest been there from breeders and you're starting to feel that now filter in for next season?
0: Yes I think um, you know as you say Mighty Ulysses was 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 mighty impressive and, and time form of rated him 90 big P, which I think is another, you know, feather in, in, in the size cap as well. So um, and it's, it's very nice that, you know, breeders such as Hascombe stud um, who have supported in, supported the horse every year as have a number of well-established and, 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 um, you know, English breeders, foreign breeders um, and, um, you know, are getting rewarded. And, and yeah, I think um, the, you know, I think the, the, the momentum is building. Um, you know, they, I think that it'll be fascinating to see how they do develop and mature as the autumn progresses. Um, and, um, you know, we're, we're um, we're certainly getting uh, people mentioning him a lot. I think it's lovely that he gets lots of mentions on the television as well, but, um, you know, these, these progenies seem to be, you know, some of them are falling out of the starting stalls and yet um, proving very competitive. So, uh, uh, it's 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 um, you know it's all it's all to play for and um, uh, you know I think you know the horse has covered over 100 mares every year since he retired to stud so there's been, been plenty of support going forward and I think from the word go as soon as people saw the foals and how well the the yearlings uh, sold last year um, it's just been very you know very um, you know very positive.
1: Yeah, and four to sell in book one, uh, two from Chieveley Park Studs. Are there any? Um, I'm sure there are, but tell us a little bit about uh, the rest of the draft and any other potential jewels you have um, to go to book one. Uh,
0: yes, I think we've got a, 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 a strong um, um, consignment this year. Uh, you know, I think we've got uh, a, a very nice Frankel colt out of Persuasive, who was a filly we bought as a yearling. Uh, who went on to win the Queen Elizabeth II stakes, beating the Colts. Um, and uh, she was second in the Sun Chariot and second in the Matron. And, and he looks a, a very exciting prospect, um, persuasive by Dark Angel. And there's plenty of grey in, in this chap's col- coat. Um, and I think he's, you know, a, a, obviously potentially a, a really exciting uh, prospect. Um, we've also got a, a, a full brother to advertise by, by showcasing um, who was a triple Group One winner himself? Uh, who's uh, another eye-catching individual with with a you know a good uh, obviously a good pedigree and, and um, a physic a physical to go with it. So uh, um, you know we're, we're actually taking the videos of the yearlings uh, this morning. So it'll be interesting to see once they go online, uh, and people will be able to get a chance to see them. Um, and then we've got a very nice uh, Kodiak uh, colt out of a mare called Zeitina, who's a pivotal daughter of. Uh, the wonderful Russian Rhythm, who, uh, you know, won four Group One races, including the 1000 Guineas in 2003. Um, he's a half-brother to the Scepter Stakes winner Spangled um, and the useful uh, Amethyst, who keeps uh, uh, running at the moment and has an entry in the Cambridgeshire. So um, he, he's, a, I think, um, a really exciting cult as well. So, um, yeah, we've got a few jewels, I hope, Um And um, the way the sales have been so positive in America the last week, I hope that will carry on into um, our yearling sales, um, you know, as they start to to really take off um, in the next two two to three weeks.
1: Another stallion who I would venture might enjoy their best year in the sales ring yet is Memas. Now, this year, the likes of Lucelle, Gabas, Katura, amongst others, have built on his first crop exploits of the likes of Supremacy, Minzal and Method, and although he does prefer to let the horses do the talking, we did manage to squeeze a few words out of Tally Ho's Roger O'Callaghan, who I asked first about his expectations when the horse first retired to stud.
3: The honest answer, Jean, is you never have any expectations, you just have hope.
1: And when were the signs there with him that you, that you kind of thought, OK, we could be on to something here? Because he stood at a fairly lowly fee, didn't he, to start with and just... Uh, was there was there indications there as soon as you saw the falls?
3: Yeah, he actually covered more metres the second year than the first year, and in fairness, the Breeze of Boys gave me a master thumbs up, and that was the first that we knew we had a chance then.
1: Absolutely, and what. What sort of um, type, from your experience, does he produce? What can breeders expect when they breed to memas?
3: Speed and they try. That's the beauty. They love to fight. A bit like when he beat Blue Point that day in the Richmond. Just like him that day.
1: Yeah, and and to deal with on the ground, you obviously have plenty through your hands, character-wise, temperament-wise.
3: Um. If you don't do enough of them, they can be hardy. But once they get into uh, once they get into a routine, they're great.
1: Yeah, and obviously we've seen them go on as three year olds as well. What looked very good two year olds. You must be thrilled with what he's been able to do on the track this year.
3: Chuffed, far exceeded our uh, beyond our dreams, beyond our wildest dreams.
1: And what sort of obviously he's he's as a result of his success, he's crept up in terms of his fee. What sort of excitement do you have for the future, and for him now the books that he's been receiving? Can you give us an idea of the sort of caliber of stock he's been covering?
3: I don't know he covered a lot of mayors this year that's all I can say. Uh, caliber mares, sure, a bit like our own, sure. just send young mayors and see what happens is the honest answer.
1: yeah, so you haven't sort of refined it down to a certain type that you think suits him.
3: Well, I suppose speed with speed. Yeah, that's what you know. That's that's what's worked for him so far.
1: So it really was just a few words from Roger. Um, but luckily, Moas' former trainer and a man lucky enough to train plenty of his progeny is a man whose horses not only do the talking, of course, but he doesn't mind doing a bit himself too, Richard Hannon. And Roger referenced the brilliant success over Blue Point in the Richmond. When they do so well at stud, Richard, it is easy to forget their exploits on the track. And he was a cracking juvenile. What was he like to train? What was he like to deal with?
4: Well, we got him it from the, from the breeze upsells from a guy called John Cullinan. And literally, I didn't need to do anything with him. He he was one of those that came in. He cantered. He didn't get upset. He wasn't a runaway. Sent him to Chester. He was drawn, I think, about 14 and 14 with Frankie on. And went around the outside and bolted up. And we thought he was pretty good then. He went on to Newbury to run at the Yalchikab meeting. And he took on an odds-on shot at Dunlops and won very well there. And he was always the, the most straightforward horse. He barely needed any work. And he kept winning. He was second in the Coventry, obviously. And he won the, the July Stakes. And then he won the, the Richmond. When he won the Richmond, he beat a subsequent horse called Blue Point that won, the, that won twice in one week at Royal Ascot with a penalty. And that is unheard of. He used to carry his, his head out very low which kind of made him look small. He wasn't that small, but it was just the way he, he ran, his style. He, you know, he stuck his head out. He had a heart like a lion.
1: And did you have quite a lot of faith in him when he first went to stud and you started seeing his stock at the sales? Well, no, I've got to
4: be honest. I thought, you know, he was just another horse that had a bit of speed going off to stud. But he's clearly passed on, you know, his heart, his racing brain. <clears throat> It was by acclamation, who arguably is one of the best size of two-year-olds that we've seen. And this guy is doing exactly the same. And he was very, very sound. And he's definitely passed that on. And they're very simple. You know, simple is the wrong word. Very uncomplicated and straightforward is is what they are. They're probably, you would describe them as trainer's horses.
1: Yeah. And, And are they quite similar to him? You've obviously got some very good ones in the yard.
4: Yeah, very similar to him. Some of them are quite heavy. But they move very well and, you know, they do just what they need to. Nothing more. But they are extremely tough.
1: And one of those best horses is obviously Lucille. He's already won a Jim Crack and a July Stakes. What was your reflection on his run at Doncaster? Will you, you try seven again or was it more just the combination well, no, of the ground I, I, and the way the race I think ran? we
4: knew after three furlongs that he was wheel spinning
1: yeah.
4: um, for the first four furlongs. Um, we had done it before, but we thought that there was only one horse to be in that race, so we didn't have to, you know, it probably was too good an opportunity to miss. But he went to York first time out, and I didn't fancy him, and he still managed to win. But that's an example of what sort of horses they are. You know, you don't really see it coming, but they're just very naturally talented and 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 capable.
1: What sort of long-term plan have you got with him at this stage?
4: Well, I think... If we don't run this weekend we'll probably leave them for next year for the guineas and have a look at a craven or a fred darling sorry not fred darling a greenham
1: and richard going into book one and to the tattersall sales in general this year i presume memas is high up on the on the wish list is he when you go looking around at the stock
4: absolutely you know now you know it's a different prospect now going to drive by a maymas you need a lot of money if they're nice looking horses and you know that's part of the the, the the damage that fashion does to the guy trying to go in and buy a, a good value horse, you know he he is pretty much three ticks in the catalogue. You know it's capable of being a good horse if it looks like one. If it's if it's by maymas.
1: So Memas is flying the flag high for Tally Ho Stud but it's an operation that through their star resident Kodiak and a very strong roster of stallions in general have also produced countless top class horses from their base and there are more to look forward to in this year's draft undoubtedly. At the 2019 sale, they were responsible for bringing lot 362, a Kodiak, out of Janina to the sale, who was snapped up by Ben McElroy for 190,000 guineas. Now she turned out to be, of course, Queen Mary and Commonwealth Cup winner Campanelle for Wesley Ward and Stone Street Stables. And Ben, if we start with her, she's been such a flag bearer for the sale and for you too. Can you take us back to when you purchased Campanelle and what you were looking for and how she fitted the brief at that particular time?
5: Yeah, well, um, I came out to, uh, the Tattersville sale, uh, mainly looking for, uh, Stone Street Baby, which is owned by Barbara Banky and, uh, Barbara's been coming to Royal Ascot for, you know, the last five years, obviously had success with a homebred called Lady Aurelia. And, uh, she said to me, you know, if you find something that suits Ascot, um, you know, keep me posted, and that's what we're looking for to give to Wesley Ward and try and, uh, make the, uh, two year old races. And, uh, Campanelle, that, you know, she was a gorgeous filly at, uh, Tally Um, she was by Kodiak. She was of a Named mayor who, uh, Named was a good sprinter for, uh, John Ox. And the mare, I think, won the Margate State, which was at York, which I always remembered was a pretty good, uh, prep for the Queen Mary or was used by a lot of fillies to prep for the Queen Mary so uh, I could tell from that there was a lot of speed in the family and uh, you know she was a great great looking physical and I just called Barbara up and I said listen this one ticks all the boxes as far as uh, fast fire or a fire that produces fast horses out of a mare that showed a lot of ability early on as a two year old filly and um you know she's going to want you're going to want to have in a broodmare band the way she looks. So, she gave me the green light to get her, and uh, the rest is history.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen her do so well, and and through Wesley Ward with the, with the two year olds, but they go on as well. And she's very much proved that winning the Commonwealth Cup this year. Did she surprise you? Were you looking at her just as a juvenile, or do you look for no, a horse that can no, stretch
5: her? No, she, no, she kind of.
1: Funny enough, somebody kind of asked me that at the October sale last
5: year when I was looking, do I look for a different type of horse? Uh, when I'm over in Europe than I would in America, which uh, I just look for the exact same type. You know, she, if she was in the American sale here, uh, i seen in September of uh, she wouldn't have been out of place. She was, she'd plenty of stretch to her, uh, lots of legs, stood over a lot of ground. And um, like I said, you know, such a Barbara, She's one you're gonna to love to have in a broodmare band because she's she's um, so she never really looked like she was just gonna be a two year old It was more the pedigree said she should have plenty of zip.
1: And while we're on the subject of her, how's she come back from France, Ben? And, and what might might we see from, from her yeah. in the autumn?
5: Yeah, she got a little uh we don't really know what happened in Deauville. She kinda got a bit upset in the preliminaries. Uh you know, she was in the stalls beside a horse. That was wearing a hood. And uh, I think if you look back in slow mo, um, you know, she, she was upset in the preliminaries, but then when she got in the starting, uh, starting stall, she was kind of rearing up and she's got a full cup blinker on the right and the left is completely open. And, you know, as well as being wound up, I think it was the first time she'd ever saw a horse beside her with a hood on. And you can see when a jockey pulled the hood off that's when she kind of reared up and then she veered off to the right like she was trying to get away from something or something startled her. So, looking back on it, uh, you know, it, it was just a write-off of a race, unfortunately, but she's come back good. Um, we're going to look at a the race. There's a, a grade or a group tree or a grade tree here at Keeneland. Um, and if she runs well in that, she might run in the Breeders' Cup turf sprint even though it might be a little sharp for a Del Mar going five furlongs on that course, but it, it's it's not ruled out if she runs really good at Kemens.
1: Brilliant stuff! Well, we really look forward to seeing her. And and while we're talking about the you know the success you've had for Stone Street Stables and with Wesley Ward, we got used to seeing the kind of big solid Wesley Ward American bred two year olds coming over the Acapulcos and the the um in the past. Was there a shift Conscious shift, Ben, in the operation to start looking for horses in Europe to race in Europe, or has it just been something that kind of complements what they do in the US?
5: Um, well, I think it was two or three years ago. Uh, you know, the the, the ground. Came, I had a filly called Kamari, who's a Grade One or a Group One winner filly here in America on the dirt, and she was second in the Queen Mary. And she was second at Commonwealth as well. But when she ran the Queen Mary, I mean, it absolutely poured before the race. Uh, and then when we ran, again, the following year, you know, ground came up soft. So I, I, I think, you know, obviously, I think Barbara would love to get some homebreds over to run at um, Royal Ascot. But obviously, having the European bred horses, I can probably go, maybe handle the easier ground if it came up soft, uh As, as as, you know, it's just it's just about having some uh, diversity in the stable with some quality, and um, it's it's thankfully the last two years it's worked really good.
1: And you seem a good person with that in mind to ask and pick up on what Chris McGraw was touching upon last week in the podcast. He was sort of lamenting the fact that European breeders don't tap into dirt sires like we did back in the days of the Northern Dancers and the Najinsky's and the like. Um, you've seen some of the crossover work in the past. What's your view on that? Do you think that there's scope for more of a, of a mix up, if you like, and, and cross pollination between those turf and dirt stallions, both sides of the Atlantic?
5: Um yeah, I mean, I think uh obviously the European horses have, have, have become very popular over here with, with, with the turf racing is becoming more prevalent and the big purses um at Saratoga, Belmont especially and I think there's a lot of owners are really enjoy you know, they really enjoy it. It's easier to keep the horses sounder, it's not as hard on them if if uh, you're not racing on the dirt. So I think I think that's more it than maybe um you know, I think I think that's as much it as as far as people trying to get into bloodlines. It's just about getting the horses to where, where where they suit uh and where they think they have the best chance. Whereas you know, you look at Karavich there with the Kingmans and uh, um, so uh Lope,
1: Lope Kingman and Dubawi and, and uh, yeah. Franco. Absolutely. And what about um horses coming back the other way you know we've seen kind of japanese investment in justifies for example or you know american pharaoh doing well on turf do you think there's the same interest from buyers here to take horses back back from the u.s to european shores
5: yeah well when i first went out my own as an agent uh i actually bought some horses here uh and lashes uh, who's by Mr. Greeley, Long Lashes by Rockhard 10, and Pat Fork who was Champion Two, was by Distorted Humor. And we race them in Europe. Like, I think, you know, I think there's a lot of American sires, or there's a lot of, you know, American pedigrees suit European racing. Um, I think the one, like I mentioned earlier, is I suppose when the ground comes up soft, uh, or softer, you, you, you might have some trouble with the American pedigrees, but. You know you just like the old adage I think a good horse can come from anywhere, and um I think there's a lot of Europeans uh working the sail hard here, trying to find horses to go back to Europe
1: yeah, how strong has the market been there, Ben, as we come into the last few days at Keenland, and what kind of positive pointers could there be for going into tassels on this side of the Atlantic?
5: Yeah, I think it was extremely strong, we kind of all thought that might be the case coming in um there's really been no arab participation that i've seen but there's, there's a lot of um uh there's a lot of groups that have got together buying groups that have got together pooled money to buy colts and actually even philly so it's it's made it really hard for me with individual clients uh a lot of money on a couple of colts and uh not being able to get them and uh, it's actually same on fillies. I was able to get a, a few fillies here the last um, last few days, but it's, it's it's been really strong. But it's 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 great for it's great for everybody involved. you know what I mean? So um, I would think it should carry true to the European um, sales, and I think the American participation is going to be really strong. Uh, I hope, and. Um, you know, I, I just think the results of the European horses over here um, have been really good. So I think I, I think you're going to see a lot of reinvestment.
1: So there's going to be more com- competition to buy to buy them potentially. You bought six last year. Are you expecting to come over and 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 have a similar um, brief if you like this year?
5: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we're happy with the. one. Obviously, got Campanelli the year before. Got a. Was a good it was a good richchester filly called Routon. It was a TDN rising star in her first start. Uh, and we still think she she, she kind of came out with it. She ran in the Windsor Castle. Um, she was kind of just not working lights out just before the race. And it turned out that she had a little bit of an issue we could take care of uh, once she got back to America. But we still have really high hopes for that filly. And um, all the other ones we bought we we, we from last year were a few of them haven't run but we're very high on them so uh so looking forward to getting back and uh, hopefully add a few more Campanellis to the to the racing stage
1: it won't only be ben mcelroy looking for another campanelle as kelsey rejoins us um there's going to be a lot of us buyers i'd have thought well that's certainly what ben thinks coming over to this year's sale such has been the success of the the european horses over in the states in recent years
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, you only have to look at the uh, the Saratoga meeting this summer um, to see the, the success of European horses and, um, and you know, even Tattersall's uh, graduates in particular. So you only have to look at the results at Saratoga this summer to see the success of, uh, of European imports and Tattersall's uh, graduates in particular um, won numerous stakes over there. Um, Kingman was one of the, the leading sires at the meet with multiple stakes winners. Um and then you know the the opportunities for turf uh for turf racing are becoming very prolific in the states um uh, big purses on the turf um new turf stakes races uh particularly on the new york circuit uh and then we have um our meeting here at kentucky downs in uh in in kentucky which is a week long every summer and and offers um some of the best purses on the turf in the country so i think you know, seeing the, the results that the Americans have enjoyed um, from coming over to Tattersalls and purchasing these yearlings and bringing them over. Um, I, I can only imagine that that more and more American buyers will be interested in, in coming over and attempting to do the same thing.
1: Well, it was also really interesting with Ben to touch upon that kind of durability or the kind of cross Um, transatlantic nature of the bloodstock industry in general and something Chris McGrath touched upon last week Kelsey I'm sure you heard the dirt stallions used to come over to Europe and really reinvigorated our breed and it's something we don't see as much it's kind of traffic going the other way do you think that's something that that there could be scope to to see a little bit more crossover with with maybe us tapping into the likes of you know, justify even, or an American pharaoh. We've seen Scat Daddy do well. And and Ben touched upon, you know, when he used to bring over dirt stallions, um, the likes of the Distorted Humours and and Lemon Drop Kids and Arches and and used to do well over here. Is that something you can see changing in the future?
2: Yeah, I I think absolutely it's something that I could see um, changing and seeing uh, possibly more of those dirt pedigrees going back to Europe. Um, simply because it's something that has happened in the past and um, and these things have have you know always been a bit cyclical in in the bloodstock industry. We've seen um, you know, the likes of uh, northern dancer stock go over and and completely revolutionize the the industry in Europe. And then, uh, you know, at the same time, we've seen horses like uh, Leafard, uh, Riverman um, sharpen up. Those types come over and and change the breed. Uh, here in the in the u s and and so I think these things really really happen in in cycles and um you know, I think it's interesting that you mentioned justify and American Pharaoh because those are two horses that could really um, you know change people's thinking and the way they might do things. Um, American pharaoh has has unquestionably unquestionably been a great success on the turf. He's had um, group one winners in europe, uh, grade one winners on the grass in America, and he's also been a big success on dirt and turf in Japan, and then you mentioned the uh, the Japanese investment in some of the first yearlings by Justify at Keeneland uh, this week. So uh, you know they obviously have um, faith that his uh, that that his progeny will be able to excel in in their top races on the turf, um, even though he himself um, never ran on the grass. Um, but I think it's you know it's all those types of things that will. Um, we'll start the conversation uh you know changing a bit and and the same with you know maybe more of these grass pedigrees or or grass oriented sires in the states it's uh you know it's always interesting it it, it does seem you know we, we talked about earlier like the opportunities on the turf in the u.s are are becoming um more and more but you Still not really seeing that uh, follow through. I think in the commercial support that um, some of these grass sires might get, but at the same time, you know, in recent years, there there have been not very many. Um, I would say top top turf horses go to stud um, in Kentucky. We we did have Noble Mission, um, and, uh, and 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 he sired you know a couple good horses. Unfortunately, I don't think got the support, um, you know, to, to stay here, and he ended up in Japan. Um, but w- there's, there's a horse here, uh, you know, European listeners will be familiar with, uh, called Caraconte, Um and he's actually been on, uh, on a pretty good run recently. Um, he, he's turning out to be a, quite a decent sire. Um, I was a little disappointed to see that he maybe, his few yearlings in the September sale, maybe didn't quite get the support you would have liked to see, um, and then another one coming up through the ranks would be um, first season fire Oscar performance here. He's a son of Kitten's Joy, who won, uh, who won three grade ones, I believe, on the turf. Um, and, and he had a couple six-figure lots um, out there at Keeneland the last couple weeks. Um, but, you know, a couple that, that maybe weren't that well-received either. Um, you know, so it, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, a horse like him. He's an example of. You know, a top turf horse retiring to stud here. So, would would really love to see Oscar Performance um, go and do it on the track. And and I think as you know, these American buyers are going over to Tattersalls and continuing to to bring these horses over. Uh, a lot of the the good ones they've brought over so far have been fillies. Um, and then you have Domestic Spending, who uh, who's gelding. Um, but you know, eventually a, a good colt will come over, and then there'll probably be a place for him at stud. Um, you know, so at that point, I, I'm sure that we'll start seeing you know turf forces in turf stallions in Kentucky really get the kind of support that they need to um, to be commercial and and make it up done here.
1: Yeah, it's going to be really really interesting indeed to see how it plays out but any of the us buyers that do head to book one um obviously they're in search of top class resources um but the lure of picking up a twenty thousand pound book one bonus is also helpful along the way and so it has proved uh, for Aiken winner Royal Patronage, who not only looks very useful, but he heads to the Group 2 Royal Lodge this weekend at Newmarket. Now, he's already made back his purchase price of just 62,000 guineas through his exploits for owners High Clear Thoroughbred Racing, the Woodland Walk Syndicate. And earlier, I spoke to their racing manager, Harry Herbert, about the inspired find
6: it's, it's a, the same buying procedure that uh that uh, we've employed for so many years now obviously you know John Warren um initially and um and his son Jake uh, has very much you know got his father's eye and we look at as many as we can look at um all of them for, for but one um and um this horse you know made the the short list and the assumption with his pedigree that he'd make too much money. But, uh, it, you know, it's so weird sales because horses do fall through the net and you can't explain it. It's just, you know, some people won't look at the horse because it's too, you know, think, oh, we'll never afford that. Um, and, um, and and they, they suddenly appear. Admittedly, you know, buying a horse bred like this at the book 1 sale, the 62,000, was a, you know, was a real bonus ball. Uh, you know at the time we got very excited and of course what he's done since um you know is is incredibly exciting and and uh, i think um yeah there's obviously a big uh, weekend ahead um, to look forward to
1: there is just tell us a little bit about how impressed you've been with him so far and 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 indeed how impressed mark's been and, and what the vibes are like going into the royal lodge when he steps up on saturday at the time of recording
6: yeah, he he ran first time up at York, um, mm. um behind the organizer. That was a horse we subsequently bought at High Clear and um and uh, that was over six furlongs. So it was sort of too short for him, very much sort of um you know, got into gear late and we were thrilled a bit, thought he'd run, you know, really ran very well. Um and um, and then he we took him to Sandown and um and he ran a, again, a very you know progressive race. Um, appreciated um the step up in trip. And um, finished second to, to Charlie Appleby's native trail. And, uh, yeah. you know, that we've, so began to get, I began to get a bit excited then. I think, um, you know, Mark and, his, and Charlie were, you, you know, could see that he was progressive at home Um but um, we're looking for that race where we, we thought he'd have the best chance of winning his Book one bonus. Um, so he had more entries, I think than any horse I've ever had anything to do with at Heitler. Um And um, the owners were despairing as entry after entry came and went. Um, and then the green light was given um, by Mark and Charlie um, to unleash him at Epsom. And, that uh, that was really quite telling because i thought he was I thought he won very impressively but it was electric his turn of foot um and um jason hart got off him that day and um so sort i of gave him a pat and turned to me and said i think this horse is very good i think he's very good and um so i said "Oh, that's true really, he's certainly very impressive i don't know what they were like behind and all of that sort of chat and um and he said, no, no. He, he said there was a, a lot of horse left on the line, and and um, the way he quickened up. So you know, we all got a big buzz. We you know got the, the book one bonus. Um, so that was a great thrill. Um, and then suddenly it was a question of um, you know Mark and Charlie saying, right, I think we you know he's going really well at home. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna run him um, at York. And um, the way he won against very fancied opposition. Um, again, sort of showed that he's, you know, he, he he's a fast, improving and very exciting um, prospect.
1: And he was 25 to 1, unbelievably, on the day. I'm not sure we'll be getting that sort of price about him at the weekend. What sort of form do we find him in uh, going to the Royal Lodge?
6: No, no, I mean, I think great form, um, as, as far as I can, I can tell. I haven't seen him, um, um, but he's, uh, I spoke to Mark and they're very pleased with him. Um, and, um, so fingers crossed, yeah, between now and Saturday, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's a race that, um, you, you know, we've always had in mind. We're looking at the champagne stakes as well for him, um, you know, one or the other. Um, and in the end we, you know, bypassed the champagne rightly or wrongly would have had to supplement him for that, um, to head, um, yeah, to head to, to Newmarket. So, uh. Yeah, we will We will see. You know, his, uh, these races are highly competitive and very tricky. But um, if he can take another step forward, then um, we'd love to think that he'll be, you know, bang there and give, you know, his share owners a, a big thrill and a big shout.
1: And it seems an obvious thing to say, but... A horse like this is always going to be what everyone strives for when they go to the sales, but as somebody who's on the front line actually you know selling the horse and selling the syndicates, how important is is something like the book one bonus and and sourcing a horse like this for for repeat business if you like is everyone quite excited going into this year's sale
6: yeah definitely 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 we've we've i mean we've always loved book one um and um it, it's it's a we've been you know touched with very successful bank courses out of book one over the years and um I, I i think the bonus is definitely um you know a big lure for people you know for all of them I, mean, I was only talking to john Warren yesterday about it and we were just saying it's you know it's you know let's hope we can you know we can we can buy a, a, you know another few um a book one this year if we can afford them because you know you that that 20,000 makes a very big difference. You know, 20,000 on top of the win prize money um, gives owners, you know, a, a, a great buzz and, um, and, and, and you know, is a, is a terrific help. So, yeah, we're really pro it and we're really pro, um, you know, that book one sale and we will be doing our best to um, find um, another Royal Patronage or two, um, you know, um, it, it coming up in a couple of weeks' time.
1: And that is exactly what many will be trying to do in a few weeks time when they head back to book one. And now under hopefully less restricted circumstances as well. And we look forward to welcoming back people in person that weren't able to attend last year, including Kelsey herself. Very much looking forward to seeing you here in a few weeks time. And with Keeland out the way at the end of the week, Kelsey, you'll no doubt start turning attentions to Tattersalls and we ask guests to pick out a pointer or something they're most looking forward to at the sale. What's your highlight at this year's sale?
2: I'm so excited to be uh, coming back to Tattersalls after uh, forced to to be away for a year. It's uh, it's one of my favorite uh, sales to travel to every year. So looking forward to that. And then um, you know I, I, I'm honestly uh, for what I'm most looking forward to. Uh, you know, with the exception of just being able to see these incredibly well-bred horses in the flesh. I mean, like that's that's just always the highlight, um, no question. But I'm I'm really just looking forward to seeing um, you know what new um you know international buyers what new faces um show up be that from america or even australia where they they've also had um a lot of success with uh, yearling purchase at Tattersalls. um looking forward to seeing who's, who's going to try and tap into that market um i think it's been Uh, just a really fascinating thing to follow the last uh four or five years or so and you know every year that you go over there a a new uh you know well-known face um shows up at tattersalls and it's always just fascinating to see um you know what it is that they're on uh what it is they're looking for and and interesting to see them uh you know competing on those those horses
1: brilliant stuff well thanks to kelsey see you in a few weeks time and to all of our guests thanks to everyone for listening to this episode 12 of the bloodstock bulletin with tattersalls episodes 10 and 11 are available too in the build-up to book one which takes place from the 5th to the 7th of october in newmarket and our final installment will be out next week until then it's goodbye for now